0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: And it, it was an excellent goal, absolutely top play, great pass, great movement by Edinson, good finish, and unfortunately, referee decided that um, we are not playing football, or VAR decided probably. Because,
0: nah, uh, absolutely, I'm uh, amazed and shocked by uh, if that is a foul, and especially if it if it takes
1: him three minutes to get up from that
2: well i,
1: I always used the uh, analogy that if that was my son and i've he gets that from one of his mates and he stays down and he needs 10 other mates to help him up uh, three minutes after he's not going to get food uh, for a few days because that is embarrassing
0: off the ball kicks off now on bfm 89.9
1: Ole Gunnar I think it's tongue-in-cheek. I think he, he would really feed his son. That's no, besides, Marcus Rashford would not hear any of that. <laughs> it is the Monday show. Hope you all had a stunning weekend. Uh, it's me, Ross, along with my special guests. I've got Arvind
2: Sidhu here. Hello, Arvind. Hello, Ross and everyone. I had a fantastic weekend.
1: I'm sure we'll talk about it. So. Yeah, yeah, I know Alvin did. Uh, Craig's are normally so good on the show. I've got two of them tonight. <laughs> Craig Wilkie, hello. Good evening. I don't know what we're going to talk about this evening. <laughs> uh, Craig Marias joins us as well this Monday. Hello, Craig. Hello, hello, Ross. Uh, just like Arvin, um, have, I had a great weekend. Yeah, yeah, but VAR. Tried its best to spoil it for everybody this weekend. We will go into it. Now, as usual, you can tweet at BFM Radio. You can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, We heard Ole at the start talking about the disallowed goal. Um, Tottenham won Manchester United 3 Goal controversially ruled out by Chris Kavanagh. After taking a look at the video screen... Where footballers, we often see it in, in every match, when you fend off an opponent, but Son went down as if he got poked in the eye. And, and Craig Marias, I know you, you want to say about this, but that was the, the first major point of that game, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was. Um, and, and it was sad that, you know, such a, a fantastic goal. Um, got disallowed. Uh, you know, you go back to it, and, and like you say, Ross. You know, fending off an opponent. I mean, there's obviously going to be some sort of contact. Uh, I think the telling point here is, you know, looking at McTominay, um, looking where his eyes are. His eyes are, you know, just dead set on the ball, um, and you know, there's no, it doesn't even glance to see where Son is. Doesn't even do anything like that. Um, I mean, if, if if those are fouls these days, I mean, you're going to get, you're going to get, you know, a ridiculous amount. Um, you know, you, you go into detail into the penalty box, you know, when there's corners, there's going to be, you know, a lot of these kind of things that are going on. Yeah. But- and, and another thing I want to say, we we were, we watched on, on television, obviously,
1: we saw the referee approaching the VAR machine. Yeah. Now, my, my, my personal problem here is the actual clip that Chris Kavanagh saw was literally the three seconds of the eye poking. He didn't see Song tugging at... so he didn't actually even get the whole play. Do you know what I mean? And it was really yeah. strange. They kept showing that particular eye poke over and over again. Then
0: if you see that, you go, yeah, all right, it was an eye poke. <laughs> yeah, but I, then again, no, because I I, I looked at it and, and I, maybe they, they're just narrowing it down to that incident, which is, you know, the reason why the goal is disallowed, which I understand. But even as a ref, if I'm looking at that, you know, I can't see the intention there. I mean, there's no... He's there's no clear and obvious mistake, is there? Well, yeah, he's not flinging out an elbow. He's he's, he's literally just palming him off, and it and it just so happens is he's you know, his hands hit his face, and it's not. I mean, we can look at it and we can say there's not much power in that. Um, there's not much strength there. It's not enough to keep Son down for uh, three for minutes. It <laughs> yeah. was, uh, but I will say this. Yeah, uh, I will say this. Yeah, um, I you know with VAR coming in and all that. I said um, at the start of this, uh, when they started using AR, that it's very important for the referee to make that decision, however he perceives it. You know, it's important for him to go to the monitor to see it rather than the officials up upstairs making that call for him. Okay. And he, he's gone to the monitor and, and he deems that a foul. Yeah. And I said accept that. Yeah. So, I mean, because he's still in control of the game. That's what he thinks is a foul. Fair enough. uh, Okay, let's let's get a Liverpool fan's perspective here. Craig Wilkie,
1: is Craig Marais watching this from red-tinged glasses, or or does he have a point? No,
3: no red-tinged glasses at all. For me, it's it's a disgrace on every level. It's a disgrace that VAR is looking at it in the first place, because as you point out, there's no clear and obvious error that's been made by the referee. It's a disgrace when the referee goes over to look at it and he watches that and then it's going to come to the conclusion that, that that's a foul. Ne- never in my life is, is, of playing football, watching football, is, is that a foul. And part of the problem, as you say, is not just the specific clip that he watches, but how it's, how it's put to him. It's slowed down, so all of a sudden it makes it look like there's some you know exaggerated contact when there's not at all. If you just watch it back as it happened, it's very clear that his hand is brushed against Son's face. And then let's, let's be honest as well. The third disgrace is Son himself. Yeah. It's cheating. It's absolute blatant cheating. If you're going to go down like that under so little pressure and you're going to roll around and lay there for three minutes and it's a huge blight on the game. And there's, I'm in the Sean Dyche camp when it comes to this. There's, there's no place for it in football, but the only way you're going to stamp it out is if players, managers, clubs take responsibility for it and say, this is not going to happen here. And the problem is they won't. They, you know, it, it, it worked yeah. to Spurs' benefit. I can guarantee you at halftime in that Spurs dressing room, not a single player will have gone to Son. Mourinho will not have gone to Son and said, hang on, we, we don't do that. There's no need for that, right? Yeah. It yeah. just gets brushed off and it go on, and, and so it will happen again next week. And as Craig very rightly pointed out, what we lost amidst everything else was a, was a really brilliant goal from Manchester United. And one thing just to say about, actually to talk about the game more generally I thought so much credit to United. Not only were they a better side in the first half, but having experienced an incident like that, very easy to kind of think, well, things are going against us today, let the heads drop, but came out second half, used that injustice, put in a brilliant performance and absolutely deserved the three points. So be- Sorry, better team from start to finish.
0: Sorry, Ross. Important to say, right, when we're on this, right, um, you know, if you if you go back a few minutes before that incident, that challenge on Marcus Rashford. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There was another one. Actually, I thought there were two, two kind of fend off challenges. That if you're going to call them, you might as well call
0: them all, right? <laughs> They're more. I mean, they were more blatant than uh, <laughs> palm off. You know, I mean, it, it was more of a foul than than any of that. There was more contact there, um, and it didn't even get looked at. Are, are we? Are we now? Have we now? Just this weekend, opened the VAR
1: palm off can of worms. I, I hope not. I really. Uh, <laughs> Arvin, let, let's talk about Tottenham here. Jose Mourinho has never suffered 10 defeats in a season. It's happened to him. Spurs went into this really needing the points. They were lucky. They were ahead at halftime. But yet again, they've contrived. I think it's 17 points now. They've thrown away from winning positions. This is, this is Jose on the wane. I'm asking you, question mark, question mark.
2: I think so Uh, When when he first got appointed We all thought, okay, yeah, specialists in delivering The trophy. Spurs have been have had a drought for so many years This is the man that will deliver it But now when you look back and you look at the whole season You've had a scenario where Jose Moreno, clearly the knives are slowly coming in On him, I mean, they're in seventh place They're out of Europe, six points behind Champions League uh, spot Yes, they've got the League Cup, but even if they win That, is it really saying much for Jose? Um and it's just a manner that he's gone about this. On one side, when I look at it, you've got Jose Moreno, who's very, quite old school in his in his in his ways. You've seen Pep and Klopp be a bit more progressive than than Jose. Jose is anyway. very old school in the way that he he expects values from players. And then you've got a very soft underbelly Spurs, who's been like that for at least I think three to four decades. It just doesn't <laughs> match. You've got a scenario here where you've got someone who. Feels his players should should own up for more things. And you've got probably players who probably complain that the manager is like that. So as time goes on, and Daniel Levy will be looking at this, he'll be thinking, This is not really a a, a marriage that's working and it's and, and a decision has to be made. But well, yeah. yeah, you're right. On 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 his side, results-wise on the way, never lost to 10 games in a in a season. And he's just every week he's just coming out and sniping. Now we we we, we heard the sound, bite. From, from earlier but he'll just come out and snipe every week so he just looks like a frustrated man and I, I, I won't be surprised if a change cup happens at the end of the season yeah there's so much
1: importance now on that Carabao Cup final for Tottenham Hotspur it's it's unbelievable all right let, let's let's leave off this what everyone is saying sounds fine it's as they say in football bread is bread and cheese is cheese <laughs> or not <laughs> there were some cracking games at the weekend let's talk about West Ham 3 Leicester City 2 I'll come to you first Craig Marias, and, and 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 wax lyrical about Jesse Lingard uh, amazing stats since he's joined West Ham um, I actually had half a vision I thought right I'll buy him and then you know what? I'm going to captain him this weekend. 28 points, man!
0: Wow, Max is making week for you. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's like the rebirth of Jesse Lingard, isn't it? As, a, as a unbelievable, player. absolutely amazing, and and it just goes to show like when you get a run of games, when you get that consistency, uh, when you get that feel of being out on the pitch and and working hard in training, knowing that you're going to play um, on the weekend, you know, it just makes a world of difference and. Um, i got to say that I think West Ham are set up to kind of suit his style as well. I think that's very important. I think, you know, um, w- when you look at United and, and where he fit in, you know, was he, was he get, you know, with Bruno there, he was never going to play that 10. Um, and then and you look at the players out wide, and it was probably only on the right wing uh, where, where you could see him fitting in. And it, it's tough. It's tough, you know, because you're talking about, um, a team right at the top, and you're talking about yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, West Ham now are you know a team challenging for a Champions League place, um, but you know he he just slots into that team really easily. What's even more impressive uh, for me is the manner in which they they won last night. Um, you got to remember, two of the best players this season uh, probably uh, weren't even fit, didn't even play. You know that's Declan Rice and, and McCarlin. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in their place, you know, in comes Mark Noble, who hasn't had many games, you know, and he's, what, 30, 35 now, 34, yeah. 35, getting on, um, you know, last season's, is, uh, next season's his last season. Um, and then you've got Jared Bowen, who who's come on, he's played a lot as a winger. Um, I think he's been a great signing for West Ham. Uh, but he, is he an out-and-out goal scorer? Um, you know, he's a fantastic player, but leading that line. And I just thought it worked, you know, and it just shows... That moist, like whoever whoever comes in, if these guys get injured, whoever comes in, you know they, they, they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, but what a finish for the first goal from
1: Jesse yeah. Lingard,
0: yeah. absolute genius.
1: Absolute genius. You don't say that very often with Jesse Lingard, but um, Leicester were weakened, um, self-inflicted. I don't know, maybe, but um, Brendan Rodgers banned James Morrison, Hamza Chowdhury, and Iosi Perez. They were left out for breaching COVID-19 protocols. Word has it, they got together in a room to watch the Jose Mourinho documentary, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> Craig Wilkie, we, we said right in the run-up a couple of weeks ago, we said, you know, this Leicester side aren't going to fade like Leicester sides normally do. But I'm asking you now, dot, 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 question mark, question mark.
3: <laughs> well it's a question that has to be asked after that performance and for me it's not so much the result i as craig mentioned west Ham are in such great form it's not an easy place to go so going and getting beat at west ham is is not the issue but the manner of the defeat albeit with the the caveats and some of the difficulties and fair play to leicester in in one regard that Rodgers actually took the stance you know that these guys broke the protocols that they they didn't live up to the standards that were expected of them and so they took a Kind of self-inflicted hit as, on and leaving them out, and I think that was the right thing to do in terms of, you know, what should happen generally and the standards that he wants to set at the club. But you talk about standards and you look at the defending for the, especially for the second and third goals. Yeah. I mean, good, good goals from a West Ham point of view, but just just abysmal from from Leicester. I mean, the, a long ball over the top, nobody goes to challenge it in the air, and then left the centre of the defence absolutely completely exposed. And if you're going to make that kind of defensive error you're going to put yourself under pressure. And when you put yourself under pressure like that, at this stage of the season, given the history, and it's, it's all very well for Man just to come out and say, you know, it's different this time. We take one game at a time. We're only looking ahead to what comes next. But those players remember. It's yeah. still in the back of their mind yeah. what happened last season. And so they are playing with that extra bit of pressure on them. And as I say, not so much the result, but the performance will worry them. So it's really, really important that they they bounce back. And actually, it wasn't just defensively. The whole team just didn't quite click for whatever reason. Some of that, the credit goes to West Ham because they came out of the blocks really fast, pressed them, put them on the back foot. But at no point in watching that game did I feel like Leicester were really going to turn it. Yes, they came back into it a little bit late on, but even then I felt West Ham didn't really panic. They looked comfortable enough in terms of seeing it out later stages of the game. So yeah, Rogers will definitely be waking up this morning a little bit more concerned than he was a week or 10 days ago.
1: Yeah, actually both teams can still make the Holy Grail of Champions League football very much in their hands from this point onwards. Let's move on uh, and, and say that uh, the last time Dallas was such a hit on, on, on a Saturday evening was I think in the eighties when J.R. Ewing got shot. <laughs> but Stuart Dallas is better than the Pep Man City dynasty. There, I said it. Uh, Arvin Sidhu, what what is it now? Three wins on the trot.
2: Yeah, three wins on the trot since the days that Terry Wenables was our manager. So it's been a really good upturn of form recently. I, I think Peter Dury really summed this up best at the end of the game it was 11 would-be champions losing to 10 heroes on the day because they were just absolutely I I was up with the Leeds United supporters fan club in Malaysia and the energy and the way that the team played on the day I mean yes I will say that for once Leeds Leeds didn't boss possession but you have to understand the situation of why because you lose your captain Liam Cooper is out uh, you're up against a Man City side that's gonna gonna have a lot of the ball but Leeds defended so valiantly. And and little uh, Stuart Dallas is also known as our Cookstone Kafu. He's actually Leeds's <laughs> Le, 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 Leeds' fans. Uh, the fans, when you look at it, of course, you hear a lot about the Patrick Bamfords and you hear about the Ruffiness. But if you really ask a lot of Leeds fans, he has been our player of the season so far. Uh, really proud of the boys. I thought, I thought they were just fantastic. The only team in the Premier League so far that Pep Guardiola hasn't beaten. So we will take that as we go on.
1: Yeah, uh, there, there were changes made to the City side, Craig Marais. Uh, Pep obviously with one eye on Dortmund, but I mean, they can afford to slip up here and there. They can probably still afford two more losses.
0: Uh, yeah, probably. Um, <clears throat> like you say, you know, it wasn't a full strength City side. A great win for Leeds, no, no doubt, uh, especially with 10 men. But, um, you know, Pep obviously has the Champions League in mind he feels that the league is sewn up. And, and probably, yeah, you, you know, you, you look at that lead that they have from, from first to, to United. Um, you know, yes, they, they they lost over the weekend. Yes, United won. Uh, and United have a game in hand. But, you know, even if United win that, it's eight points. Um, I, I just can't see it. I, I think, you know, th- this is done. Maybe it'll be, you know, the, the gap will... will yeah, well,
1: more, more respectable after 38 games.
0: Yeah, probably. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, City, there's no danger of them slipping up. I don't think Pep will allow it, you know, especially after, he'd be fuming. He'd be fuming because, I mean, number one, I think it's Bielsa as well. I mean, he's got a lot of respect for him. Um, let's not forget, you know, and uh, um, I don't think he, he'd like losing to them. Second of all, you know, it was against 10 men and, you know, at home. So, you know, there's, there'll be a lot of pride hurt there. Uh, for Pep, I feel um, so. I, I don't think he'll make the same mistake again. I think, okay. Good you know, moving forward. You know, in the last few games, I don't think he'll make as many
2: changes. All right. Just just sorry. Just, just to add, guys, Pep came out a couple of weeks ago and said that the worst game that he had wanted between the Dortmund games was to play Leeds because he knew how the team would run and run against yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, And it proved, and it proved, and it proved, by the result of the weekend.
1: But Pep, Pep and City are allowed a bad day at the office. But those those 10 lead heroes. Literally, what I just said, they heroes. Right, we're going to our, our first break. Stick around. We'll talk more VAR speak after
0: this.
2: Well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair, in a fairer fashion.
1: Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Immediate thrust. Recognisable certainty and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. uh, Arvin Sidhu along with the two Craigs, Craig Marias and Craig Wilkie, joining me this Monday evening to look back at the weekend's football. Liverpool 2, Aston Villa 1. In the end, got there. Trent Alexander-Arnold, I'm sure you all know by now, scored a beauty after a very difficult week he's had in his personal very young personal life but um let's first go to the var liverpool were absolutely i mean i'm saying this as a football fan of a big rival club but liverpool were absolutely robbed of a goal craig wilkie they drew the lines to match what they wanted to see it wasn't actual correct lines they drew well i'm
3: glad you put it like that because that's what i saw on my screen (laughs) First of all, I, it, it goes back to that point that we've made so many times, that it's a combination here of VAR and the way it's being used, the offside rule itself no longer being fit for purpose, at least if we wanted to favor yeah. the attacking player and promote goals in attacking football, and then referees and their assistants, whether they're, they're up to the job. And I think we've seen some very poor decisions in the Premier League, assisted or not by VAR. And that was the extraordinary thing. People say, you know, the precision and you can't argue with the technology. You absolutely can argue with the technology because <laughs> to my eye, the way those lines were being drawn <laughs> just, just looked all over the place. Exactly, you know? it, looked, yeah. it looked
0: like it had been given
3: to a, a kindergarten class to just draw the lines however, however they saw fit. And again, the, the point for me is that it does two things which change the fundamental nature of the game. Every year that you and I have grown up playing football, watching football, that was onside. He's timed the run perfectly. And that's there was just, just no, no debate about that. And, and second of all, the much bigger issue I have is I'm hearing more and more people, fans, even players and managers coming out and saying, well, a goal goes in now I don't even celebrate because I have, I have to watch and wait and see whether VAR is going to allow it or not. And whatever benefits VAR might bring, and I've not seen yeah. that many, yeah. whatever benefits they might bring, on no level is it worth that cost that yeah. that is the thing that i mean football the, the currency is so is so rare of a goal you know that's the moment that it all hinges on right it's not like basketball where you know you you get you'll, you'll score every every minute right if if we're not going to celebrate goals anymore then I, I don't know what we're doing i i don't know what game we're watching so yeah it's it's uh, <laughs> it's an extraordinary thing but let's talk about the actual game itself and and Trent Alexander-Arnold who I thought didn't have a great game overall. To me, he looked like he was trying a bit too hard. Yeah, he tried maybe, too hard, yes. Maybe maybe knowing that Southgate was was there watching in the stands and really when you go out with a point to prove, sometimes it can be a bit like that. You know, you just every pass he was trying to make, you know, a defense splitting pass and it wasn't really coming off for him, but the thing I will say about him is form is temporary but class is permanent and the way he struck that winner was was just magnificent and I think there's, a, there's actually a reasonable debate about his full-back position and whether defensively he's strong enough. I personally think he should play in midfield. I, I really do. I, I think his, his creativity on the ball, his positional awareness, if he went up to play there, the way he can get forward and score goals. I mean, he's, he's so composed when he gets in the box, far more so than most of the rest of Liverpool's midfield. If it were me, that's where I would play
1: him. Yeah, well, that's, that's a fair shout, that one, uh, but a massive win. For, for Liverpool because for long periods of the game, Craig Marais, it looked like Aston Villa were matching them and we were thinking, oh my goodness, surely not
0: another one. Yeah, especially with the, with, with, with the offside goal.
1: Exactly, you just thought, oh my goodness, it's all gone against yeah. them again.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you could just see what the Liverpool fans and how they would have reacted, you know, if they did lose that game. Uh, but credit to Liverpool, uh, you know. I mean, I don't think it's easy with the pressure that's been piling on on them this season. Um, obviously, it took a lot of criticism. Um, Trent, in particular, um, after the Madrid loss. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but, you know, it, it's good character, you know, going right till the end. Um, still don't know what Trent was doing on that side of the pitch, to be honest with you. Um, but, but <laughs> you know, he pops up there. I mean, what a right foot he has. I mean, you know, he, he'll get criticised throughout his career because he's not a great defender. And I think... I kind of agreed with, with uh, Craig on this, you know, um, his, his natural position, um, if you go back, you know, when he was coming through the ranks, was in central midfield. And then he got shifted to right back. Um, I, I could definitely see him playing as a midfielder, definitely, uh, because he, as Craig said, he's quality on the ball. Um, he, he's an intelligent player, just not great defensively, uh, you know, and, it, and it's not a bad thing. Um, it's, it's just how it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think, you know, Klopp deserves uh, a, a lot of uh, credit and, and the Liverpool players because they showed some character, Yeah, um, which, we, you know, which we probably haven't seen enough of from them uh, this season. Yeah,
1: true. Well said. Well said. It was a massive win. And, and Liverpool also, I, I say, the, the Holy Grail is top four Champions League football very much within their grasp. Uh, So, massive, what, six, seven games to go to the end of the season? Um, All right, let's move on and talk about Chelsea, who were very impressive away at Crystal Palace. All right, last weekend, they had a a blip uh, against Big Sam's West Brom. But uh, they put that right in the Champions League. um, And then they carried that form on against Crystal Palace. Arvin Siddu, Kai Havertz, starring, and then getting some flack from the manager afterwards. Is this the German way?
2: I think it's the German way. I I think it is, is. isn't it? He must be better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Thomas Tuchel's got that reputation where he can rub off players a little bit wrong. He's done that before at Dortmund and at PSG. Uh, But finally, they can score three goals under him. So he's starting to... Obviously, when any new manager comes in, you would want to solidify the back and then kind of go out and express yourself. And he's been able to do it. Based on this evidence, Uh, but they've got an exciting future, Ross. I mean, you look at you look at that first eleven. You look at the amount of players that are that are under twenty five. You've got Chilwell, you've got Reese James, Kai Havertz, Pulisic. Uh, I mean, they're all in Mason Mount as well. They're all still so young. Um, And what Thomas Tuchel has done really well up front is that while half the Chelsea fan base has probably been clamoring for Tammy Abraham to start, the other half has been saying let's continue with Timo Werner. He's kind of made Kai Havertz into a false nine who has played before in that position in Leverkusen, but made it work. And he's also spoken a lot in the press about how explosive Pulisic can be. And I thought he was on the day. So good things. Yes, they had that blip against against West Brom. uh, But then again, you look at that, you had a sending off. At that time, uh, very early in the game, but still very good. I still feel that they will be in the top four, and they've got a really exciting future. For once, Chelsea have youngsters that they're not letting go to other teams.
1: Well, this is the thing: you can talk up all you want about Chelsea, but at the end of the day, you look at that squad of players they have, and there's quality in there. Um, for Crystal Palace, it's a bit of a weird one. They what? They're on 38 points. They got 12 points more than 18th place Fulham. Uh, they actually started the game looking at for a fourth successive top-flight clean sheet. After that, after a few minutes, they were they were looking to not get embarrassed on the day. <laughs> but um, it's, I mean, if, if you're Roy Hodgson, Craig Wilkie, it's a weird one here because uh, yeah, you're safe, but you surely, as you know, professionalism and all that stiff up a lip, you, you can't just fade for the remaining games, can you?
3: Well, no, but it feels like that's what's happening. Yeah. It feels like the season is fading out. It feels like maybe Hodgson's tenure is fading out as well. But it's very difficult to assess Crystal Palace because on the one hand, I look at that squad and there's some quality in that squad. I mean, beyond Zaha as well. I mean, Benteke scored a fantastic header. Yeah, right? and He's been a player who's played at a high level, had a lot of potential, maybe not quite lived up to it consistently.
1: AZ is and a so, good player. Yeah, they got,
3: they got exactly, good players. So yeah. On the one hand, I look at it and I say... Is Hodgson getting the best out of that squad? Are they playing as well as they could? On the other hand, I look at the league table and they're in 13th. And I look at the teams above them and I think, who can they reasonably expect to be above? That's yeah. just that's just where Crystal Palace are. Yeah. You know, once once you get above that, you're looking at having a season like Leeds, or even then you're into you know Arsenal struggling down in, in that sort of section of the league. I mean, they probably benefited from the likes of you know Wolves have another had a great season, but these all those clubs around them have arguably got better squads even even for the quality that we've mentioned that is there in that palace squad so it, from that point of view some of the criticism that hodgins had has has probably been a little bit harsh but at the same time you can't see him taking this squad beyond that it's very yeah. difficult to see. who who would you bring in as a manager and take take that squad beyond there that's that that's my point so uh, palace they, they have to kind of decide <laughs> what they're going to be maybe they're just content to to be a comfortable Premier League team that's never going to really challenge for much but at the same time is relatively safe from, from relegation and that's what it is right now
1: yeah it is a dilemma and, and it's one that the Crystal Palace board will have to sort out uh, we're going to go and sort ourselves out we're we'll off for another very short break back right after
0: this they are off and running in 2021 off the
1: ball on BFM 89.9 Five yards out, unchallenged,
3: unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake.
1: Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Arvin Sidhu, Craig Wilkie and Craig Marias joining me this Monday evening to look back at the weekend's football. You can tweet at BFM Radio. You can follow us on social media. Um, It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And every Friday we release a video previewing some of the other big leagues like La Liga, Serie A uh, and the Bundesliga. Um, check it out. Because big game this weekend, El Clasico. I was right, Craig Marais. I said Real Madrid. Everybody else went for Barca. Just want to get that down on radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's continue our look at the weekend's football. Some of the other scores to, to clear up. Burn Burnley 1, Newcastle 2 was massive. Uh, because it's now... Daylight between Newcastle and Fulham. We'll talk about how Fulham slipped up themselves later on. But Craig, uh, I'm so, sorry, Alvin Sidhu. Um, massive win. Uh, Steve Bruce, we talk about managers under pressure. Steve Bruce, all season he's had it <laughs> in
0: the net. Yes,
2: he has. But he would be so thankful for St. Alan Maximum for what he came on and did. I mean, for a lot of the season, they have struggled because Grant uh, quite a few of those players were injured, Callum Wilson, Elmeron, St. Alan Maximin, But you could see the effect. The, the moment that uh, I was watching the game and the moment Burnley scored first, and I don't know how Chris Wood, by the way, ran past the defender and passed the ball like that. I, Chris Wood is not a terrible player. I was surprised Newcastle allowed that. But the moment that happened, you felt, okay, what's going to happen now? But then you thought to yourself, okay, Newcastle last week had a good fight back. They've got a little bit of grit about them. And then the moment they brought him on, the moment that St. Alan Maximum came on. For me, St. Alan Maximum is pretty much a Ferrari parked in probably a kampung house or a farmhouse. Because <laughs> he, he doesn't belong where, where Newcastle is, but um, he will be so grateful. Steve Bruce will be counting his blessings because right now you're looking at about six points ahead, one game ahead of Fulham. It's going to be very hard for, yes, Newcastle have got some tough run of fixtures and you've got that final game of the season at Craven Cottage where Newcastle go and play Fulham. But it's going to take a mighty effort for Fulham to turn this around right now, and Newcastle, for me, have just sort of almost made it right now.
1: In my, I, I I don't know about Ferrari. I'll, I'll give you top of the range Alfa Romeo, or maybe okay, fair, yeah, okay. or maybe even a really sporty Audi. But Fer- no, not Ferrari. <laughs> but um, this this game had another VAR moment. I mean, if dangerous play is a thing, you've got. I think it was Tarkovsky's foot. At The head of the Newcastle player. It was all over social media. But again, I mean, they ignore some. They pull some up. It's it's a weird one. Uh, what this defeat actually means, Craig Mraz, is that Burnley, well, they've given themselves a bit more to think about now in the run-in.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I thought, sorry about that. Um, I thought that uh, for, for Burnley, you know, it, they're in a kind of position where <laughs> uh, they're, they're kind of in a position where, um, you know, there's not, nothing much to fight for. You know, they're, they're, they're all right. They're safe. Uh, they're not going to be competing in Europe. They're, they're in that mid-table position. Uh, and they're just kind of seeing games out, seeing that season end. Um, obviously, with Newcastle, there's a, there's a lot riding on the line. It's, it's literally Steve Bruce fighting for his job. It's you know, some players putting themselves in, in, you know, the, the transfer window. Um, it's it's then staying in the Premier League. I mean, it's, so many, it's It's Newcastle trying to find a new buyer. You know, it, as long as they stay in the Premier League, you know, there's always going to be someone that might be interested in buying them. So they drop down to the Championship, you know, you know, you're not too sure what's going to happen there. So, so there are a lot of more factors there for for Newcastle. Um, I just, you know, Steve Bruce and I said this like, uh, you know, maybe a month ago on the show with Ross, Um With Steve Bruce, it comes under a lot of criticism. I still don't get it. You look at how many injuries he's had to deal with, and we're talking and we're talking about key players here. We're talking about your Callum Wilson, talking about you know Saint Maximum. He's never been fit the whole season. Yeah. He had COVID. He's, he's he's you know he's got muscular injuries, um, and when you have players of that quality missing, and, and you know you've got to bring in you know a bit younger players, uh, it's just never going to work, and uh, it's always going to be a struggle. You look at the difference as soon as. Say They make that double change. Yeah. Wilson and Max- Maxim Sam on. And boom, the whole game just changes. You got someone that can run at you, you got someone that can finish. You know, there's two center backs, you know, they've got to worry about Callum Wilson in the box. I mean you're you talking about two international uh uh I don't think he's an international, but Callum Wilson's in England international. Say Maximum, if he was fit, you know, he, he would have playing at newcastle to be honest with you yeah, yeah he's yeah. such a good player but you don't have the majority of the season and and steve bruce is, for me has come under some unfair criticism this season
1: yeah yeah uh, my my i mean if i try and stick up for newcastle fans i will i will say this is kind of similar to how united fans didn't take to david moyes but maybe newcastle fans are you yeah. know what i mean
0: yeah that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing yeah okay. but, well, then, but Cal- Newcastle fans have never been happy with anyone really to yeah be fair. I mean, they still expect them to be challenging for the Premier League. Yeah, well, know.
1: exactly. Whether that is their true reality, like yeah, that—that's that another—that's another topic altogether. If if so, maximum was an Alpha Romeo. Then Callum Wilson is an a Ford Escort RS Turbo Mark Three <laughs> with the Go Faster stripes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, Fulham. Uh, actually played the game on Friday, so they they had a chance to actually get out of the bottom three, uh, but they slipped up. They played Wolves at home, and Craig Wilkie, I guess Adama Traore When you oil him up well enough, you just can't catch him.
3: <laughs> he's a well-oiled machine. I'm sure he's you'll tell a us well-oiled
1: machine. What kind of, <laughs> of a car he is
3: in, in a few minutes? Um, but he's he's quick. He's quick, isn't he? Uh, zero to sixty, and not too long at all. And I mean, there, there's a player, you look, at, you look at a game like that and Fulham, all the same reasons that Craig was just mentioning in respect to Newcastle, fighting for their lives right now. And they've been looking at a fixture like this at home against the side wolves that haven't had a brilliant season themselves. Those are the sorts of games that you have to target for, for three points. And I just felt that they didn't, they didn't really turn yeah. up and they, they, they didn't look like a side
1: that were is, fighting is, for their lives. Is that, is that final curtain? you reckon?
3: Uh, not quite yet, just because there's, there's a bit left to be played. But if they keep playing like that, then it, then it will be. And I think Scott Parker, looking back on it, will be that will be the disappointment, is that where was that real hunger and desire? And that's what epitomized his career. You know, He was a player who, who never gave an inch. You could never fault him for giving less than 100% every time they, he crossed the line. And I just feel that he didn't get that from his players. And over the course of the season, that's maybe what's summed up their campaign. You know, they, they haven't played badly but they haven't had quite enough especially going forward you know mitrovic has come back in and i think he's played a bit better but he looked isolated to me there's there's not a lot of creativity in that midfield and yeah. defensively what's cost them over the course of the season is is individual mistakes yeah but then again at that level you've got a player like traore who hasn't had a great season you hasn't kicked on from last season where there was so much kind of potential there and a lot was expected of him but what what a run i mean the, and then from the angle that he was at yeah. you're thinking well you know, OK, maybe try and put it across the goalkeeper or something like that. But he's absolutely hammered it in and fantastic goal. And in the end, I think a, a deserved victory for Wolves. They also had the goal disallowed with VR as well. Yeah, yeah. But, but Fulham, there's no way they can play like that and expect to stay in the division.
1: Yeah, uh, clear. Uh, case close with Fulham, that one. Um, Arsenal. They they were the last game played on Sunday. They won 3-0 at Sheffield United. Gabriel Martinelli, I was reading, first start since January. And you you watch him play, Arvin you You think, where would Arsenal be if he'd been fit all season? Because he's a useful player, isn't he?
2: Yes, and that, that that partnership on the left where they play uh Saka a little bit back and you got Martinelli up front is been is really prominent and really exciting for Arsenal. Obviously, Arsenal can only beat what's in front of them, uh, but they'll be happy. I mean, it was sort of like a day out in the playground. I mean, clean sheet for them, three goals, they'll be happy with that. Uh but uh it bodes well for them that in the week where a lot will depend, and we'll talk about it when they go up against Slavia Prague, they needed something like this to kind of give them a bit of confidence. Can you imagine what the Arsenal team would be going through if they had lost or slipped up against Sheffield United? Yeah. yeah. That, that 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 would have been would have been just just not right. Um but yeah I mean Sheffield United, I mean you expect Arsenal to, to get through. Uh and again Lacazette the one that's bringing in the goals contributing a little bit more than 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 the rest of the squad. So I, I just say that it can be what's what's in front of them. But we've talked about this for a while. The youngsters are the ones that Arsenal have to bank on for the future not the not the old guard, the ones that are so well-paid that are not delivering on what we expect them to do.
1: Yeah. All right. Very quickly going into the break. You get the feeling it's it's constant work in motion at Arsenal. Uh, I get the feeling that Aubameyang is kind of edged out now. Yeah. Craig Marais is nodding. Uh, Lacazette looks a, more, a safer bet as a number nine. He's more reliable,
0: probably. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I Feel that Arsenal play better without Aubameyang. Yeah, uh, and talk about yeah. the quality that um, that Martinelli brings to the side. I think, yeah, you're, you're spot on there. Robin. Um Saka as well can play that role. Um, yeah, I, I just feel there's more of a balance without Aubameyang, you know. And and it's not to say he's a bad play because I don't I I don't believe he become a bad player overnight, but something's just not right there. Yeah, you know, he doesn't. The last two games I've actually watched him. And it just doesn't look interesting. No, it doesn't want to be there. New hairstyle. Um, I, I don't know. He spent all that time yeah. in the barbers for that, and then you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's it. I mean, it's something that that also have to you know take into consideration because obviously he's on a lot of money there after the contract that he signed in the summer. Um, but you know they, they don't want to measure it situation where he's on he's on their books and you know because he signed a new deal they've got to wait four years to get rid of him or whatever it is you know if he's got value it means what 31 now yep. i mean this is if if he does not fit in michel arteta's plans he has to go this summer regardless of if he, if he signed a new deal because his value will still be up they'll get a good price for him maybe not as much as they, they'd probably like but for 31 year old i think they'll get a lot of money for him um but you know the longer you know if they keep him at the club you know for another year or two I mean, does anyone want to want to spend you know 50 million on the 32-year-old? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So um, you know, if, if Michael Ateta has got a big decision to make this summer, um, is he gonna stick and, and play the kids? Because let's not forget Smith Rodin even played. Yes, you exactly. Know, he, he, yeah. He's a really, really good player as well. So they've got options, they don't have to go out and splash, you know, and, and find another winger. They've got them there already. Um, big decision for Arteta this summer.
1: Yeah, Obama Young, once upon a time, a Porsche now at best. A uh, Satria tuned up Satria or, or,
0: or, or Weera
1: or, or whatever. We're going into a break. <laughs> I know it's a bit cruel on him. We're going into a break, but the, the Malaysian cars are quality these days. Have you seen? Um, yeah, but back right after this.
0: No happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening.
1: Off the ball on BFM 89.9
0: this season off and running with a goal inside eight minutes
1: off the ball on BFM 89.9 all right we're back Harvin Sidhu, Craig Wilkie, Craig Marias. um we we told you all about the the weekend's football of course two more Premier League games to to complete the the weekend's program West Brom take on Southampton um well West Brom Uh, Also in their hands, they're trying to build on that amazing victory over Chelsea here. And you could argue, Craig Wilkie, that maybe Southampton might be good visitors to have.
3: Maybe. I think we're all still coming to terms with watching West Brazilian Albion uh, <laughs> 10 days ago against against Chelsea. It was so, <laughs> it was such an extraordinary performance, albeit with Chelsea having their own difficulties on the day. They the were like 22
1: score. Beatles all working together in Brazil, <laughs> in unison.
3: <laughs> Something like that. Um, but there'd be so much out of that performance for Big Sam to take confidence in and, and to hopefully try and build on. Because some of the attacking play was it was absolutely superb. And as you mentioned, coming into a game at home against Southampton, who another club, and there's been a few that have had a very up and down season at, at their at their heights, they were playing fantastically well, You know, even briefly made it to the summit of the table, didn't they? And then yeah. have fallen quite a long way from, from those heights, despite still having here and there some very good performances and actually collectively quite a good squad of players, I feel. So I think this will be an open game. Um, both both sides will, will look to attack, especially West Brom building on that that previous performance. And again, we talk about this stage of the season, running out of games, not that many left. West Brom, I think it's, a, it's still it's a huge uphill challenge if they're going to get themselves out of trouble, but there's no time left to lose for them. Yeah. I mean, we, we spoke about Fulham. If, if they're going to give themselves any chance whatsoever, then a game like this at home, they're absolutely going to have to take three points. So huge, huge game for Big Sam.
1: All right, Daryl O'Shea expected to be back for West Brom. Uh, He's got an ankle problem overcome. Uh, Kyle Walker-Peters is the only Southampton fitness concern. That's a 1 a.m. kickoff. Brighton versus Everton is 3.15 a.m. Now, Everton would have seen what went on over the weekend. Ancelotti harbors hopes of European football. Maybe top four is pie in the sky, but certainly top six is still within their grasp yeah. And Alvin Everton have to come out all bl- all guns blazing.
2: They have to. They're not the same side that started the season. So no so, they're they not. Could, are they? I mean they're not, they're not. They're not. The season's starting to slowly dwindle away. Uh three games without a win right now. Uh Champions League football will not happen. But Europa League would be good for them. Uh they've missed a lot of a lot of their steel in the middle, while James Rodriguez comes in and comes in and out. They've missed the likes of, of Gomez, Ducare, even Alan has been in and out. So when you lose the battle in the midfield that is so dependent on the way that Kala Ancelotti plays, because let's not forget, he was the one who actually set up the way Real Madrid had many successes for years to come. Yes, Jose Mourinho did well for Real Madrid, but when Kala Ancelotti came, he set the motor because he was able to control the middle of the park. And he's tried to do that with Everton, but unfortunately, because of injuries and such, he's not been able to have that continuity that he needs. So he, the, the Everton faithful need to try and push on and just make sure that they get European football for next season, which will help them attract more players. And with someone like Carlo, his name won't be able to get them more players as well. So it's important that they finish the season well and, and be in, in at least the Europa League spot.
1: Yeah, uh, Dan Byrne and Adam Webster have returned to training for Brighton, so they may feature uh, Everton. I'm missing Andre Gomez, uh, although Alexi Wolby and Alan uh, could be available for them. They really, really need three points, Ancelotti and the Toffees. Uh, Champions League football, second leg, quarterfinal second leg. Chelsea with a 2-0 advantage take on Porto in Seville. Uh, it, that's the neutral ground that both teams have decided on. Um, so, uh, Porto this weekend, uh, they beat Tondela uh, 2-0. They are second in the Liga in Portugal, Craig. I mean, it's a lot to ask of them. Chelsea, we said, were probably happy with the Porto draw going into the quarterfinals. They did all, They probably did all the hard work already, haven't they?
0: Yeah, I, I think they have. Um, you know um, I've been very impressed with Short uh, since he's come there um, he's he's come in with his own style they, they're not fantastic to watch um, bar, bar over the weekend I thought they were really good to watch actually uh, but you know that was probably the one match uh, yeah. where you wanted to see them uh, but like you say you know job done for me um, they, they, they were really impressive in the first leg um, you know too, not, it's always nice when you have that comfort of the 2-0 I can't see Porto I know you know, they knocked out Juventus and, and whatnot. But I think this is just um, um, a step too far for them. You know, I, I think Chelsea see this out.
1: Yeah. You, you expect Tuchel to, to be engineering a goal or two for, for Timo Werner here. Somehow, How? somewhere. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I was surprised. I was surprised he didn't
1: even uh, make an appearance. Yeah, um, well, that's know, why. He... That's why he's prime for this one. That he yeah. wants the confidence <laughs> to come in the Champions League. It's yeah. just so German the way he's doing it. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday three a.m. Chelsea two Porto 0 Dortmund one. Man City two. Is the current state of play. I- I'm coming to you later, Craig Wilkie. I'm going to go to Arvin first. Uh, Jude Bellingham and Angsa Nauf, is that how you pronounce his name, scored for Dortmund at the weekend. Uh, they were good, good. They're good to watch, Dortmund. It was a thriller against Stuttgart. But um, in the German league, they're falling away. But you know what? They have, a for me, they have a chance here of, of
2: really taking a big scalp. They do. Uh, it's not It's not, It's not. not a huge, huge gap that they need to make up from it. You would think going into that game, okay, if they get 1-0, they go through. But Dortmund can't defend. And the fact is, City will score. Uh, over the weekend, like what Craig mentioned earlier, you had Kevin De Bruyne not starting. You had Gundogan not starting. You had Ruben Diaz who didn't start. Mm, All those big yeah. players will come in. All those big players will come in. So you expect City to get a goal. City will get a goal over there at, at Westphalen. Then it's a question of how many can Dortmund get? Uh, but they've got a chance. And, and it's still that that nervy bit, right? Pep trying to get through the quarterfinals with with City. It always is there. That, that, that monkey on the back is always there. He needs to get through this mental block because if he doesn't, it's going to be such an anticlimactic part of the season because it's already, you've won the league pretty much. The League Cup, okay, you've done it four years in a row. The FA Cup, you win it great, but he needs to get through this. And it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be a nervy night, but I still expect City to make it through.
1: All eyes on that yellow Lambo, Erling Braut Haaland. <laughs> um, that one is Thursday, 3 a.m. Dortmund with all to play for, but you 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 know you feel it's a very focused city. And Pep Guardiola going going to Germany for that one. Liverpool have it all to do. Liverpool one, Real Madrid three is the current state of play. It, it's simple. They need to win two 0 at Anfield. A couple of Trent Alexander Arnold free kicks. Uh, scotches into the side netting Uh, should do the trick Craig Wilkie no problems there simple as that right (laughs) (laughs) don't
3: don't don't see any issues Uh, yeah Liverpool are are very much up against it
1: and let's just add that this weekend uh, Real won El Clasico so they're in a good vein of form as well (laughs) Well, well, that's
3: exactly it. And that's, that's why I say for two reasons, because on the one hand, Liverpool, as we know, have had their well-documented struggles. And even though it was great to get back to winning ways, the game against Villa, overall performance-wise, I didn't think it was, was great. You know, Craig, Craig mentioned the, the character coming back, which was true and was good, and we haven't seen enough of that. But still, if you look at the quality in that midfield in particular, how many chances they were creating and so on, still a little bit of vulnerability at the back. I thought Alisson was at fault for the goal. There's still a lot of question marks over that Liverpool team and that
1: Liverpool. He can't sports. win. He shaves his cash off. It's surprising. <laughs> exactly. you know what <laughs> I mean. Have yeah. tash. Should have kept <laughs> the tash. <laughs> Very true.
0: Either well, way, but on, we go. on <laughs> yeah. the
3: other side of the equation, as as you rightly point out, Real Madrid are in a good run of form and Zidane. I mean, he was such a magnificent but also a big game player. Exactly. As, as, a, as, a, as a pro himself. He always turned up in the biggest matches. You think World Cup final, Champions League, title deciders, all of that. And he's carried that on into management. So even when you think that Real are occasionally going through a, a little bit of a sticky spell, there comes to a big game, a classical or a cup final or something like that, and he finds a way, you know, he's, he's got that winner's mentality as well. And that squad, I mean, the, the, the thing in the first leg was Liverpool... If you're going to give the likes of Cruz and Modric time on the ball, you're going to be in trouble. And if yeah. they do that again, if they do that again in the second leg, they're going to be in even bigger trouble. So Liverpool are going to need something special. I think it's going to be very hard for that to happen without the fans there. Um, it's going to it's going to be a, a step too far, I believe.
1: Of course, Liverpool turned it round against uh, Barcelona not too long ago at Anfield, but that was with an Anfield full house. Uh, Thursday, three a.m. That one. Uh, two Europa League games. United are two 0 up against Granada. That shouldn't be a problem, Craig Marais. But Arsenal maybe a bit sticky. One one against Slavia Prague. Prague are on some rich vein of form. Uh, what three wins, two draws in their last five. They're first in the Czech League.
0: Um, that's where Suchek and Kufal come the, from they had the derby over the weekend didn't they they had Prague the derby uh,
1: over, which they won over the weekend they
0: won okay right. yeah okay uh, so, no, I, I saw that was coming up and uh, do, do, do like, you see
1: do you see Arteta's Arsenal triumphing in that one um
0: you know it, it, it's really tough to stay uh, it really uh, I thought they were good last night but again you, you know you're playing Sheffield United I expect them to win um you just don't know which Arsenal side is going to turn up, really. Um, you don't know which side Ateta is going to pick. Um, uh, you know, there's no consistency. Yeah, true. Case.
1: If he reverts to William,
0: Aubameyang, and 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 yeah. Co, then wow. <laughs> then, then, why, yeah, yeah. Exactly. then yeah, exactly. And then you know, you look at it. So, I mean, I wouldn't put anything past it. I mean, if if you ask me to make a prediction, I think Arsenal will get the job done. Um, you know, I, I can see them, you know, having a slim win um, out there, but. Like I said, you know, it all boils down to that that team selection, and um, I I couldn't tell you right now what I think. If you look at the top teams, you look at your Liverpool, you look at your cities, um, you know which side they're going to play. With Arsenal, it's you know, uh, Saka could be playing you know central midfield one week, and then he's that like left back yeah, the next yeah, week, yeah. and it's just a little bit all over the shop. Uh, but yeah, I expect Arsenal to get the job done.
1: All right. Well, for the United game, they will be without Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, and Scott McTominay. They they have accrued yellow cards, and I don't think be... this is done, by
0: the way. Yeah. I don't think this Yeah. No. 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 It's, it's the Man United way
1: to yeah. They, they, will, they will they will concede
0: first. Uh, absolutely <laughs> sure of that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I just think you know the, the the players that are missing out. They're so crucial to United. You know, you look at Shaw Maguire especially. I think. You know, McTominay a good player, but without him, we, we can still survive. But you're talking about, you know, we, we spoke about how bad Lindelof has been over <laughs> the last couple of weeks. You know, at fought for yeah. Brighton, fought for the Spurs goal, um, and then you know, who's going to come in by an easy fit? Chwanzabe um, maybe will, will will come in. You just, you know, they haven't played a lot of games as well. So um, if I, if I was Granada, I'd be fancying you know from the get go to have a go at. It. All Harris right, hasn't played games as well.
1: Okay, well, that tie's not over, but our show is over. We're out of time, so I'm going to say thanks to Arvind Sidhu. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. Uh, Thanks to Craig Wilkie. Thank you very much, all. Good luck at Anfield, Craig. And and thanks, (laughs) Craig Marias, as well. Thank you very much. Have a great week, everybody. We'll be back on Friday. Bye now.
2: Off the ball every Monday on BFM 89.9.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast.